0: Welcome to the Yoga Hour, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living in today's world. Here is your host, Dr. Laurel Trujillo.
1: Welcome to the Yoga Hour, where we talk about yoga in all its depth and breadth as a path to spiritually conscious, fulfilled living in today's world. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, host and producer of the show. Today, we're going to be discussing how we can use Ayurveda's ancient principles to stay resilient and healthy as we move from the heat of summer into fall and prepare for winter. I'm delighted to be joined today by Kate O'Donnell, and we're going to share the importance of shifting our diet and routines with the seasons. Kate O'Donnell is a nationally certified Ayurvedic practitioner. And the founder of the Ayurvedic Living Institute. Kate is the author of three books applying Ayurveda to everyday living, including the everyday Ayurveda cookbook and the everyday Ayurveda guide to self care. These are the books we're going to be drawing from for our conversation today. Kate also specializes in Ayurvedic education, cooking skills, cleansing programs. She offers online programs, occasional in-person workshops on the road and professional trainings. You can find out more about Kate O'Donnell and the Ayurvedic Living Institute at her website, AyurvedicLiving.Institute. you can also find her on Facebook at Ayurveda Boston and on Instagram at kateodonnell.ayurveda. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, Kate O'Donnell. I'm really delighted to have you back as a guest.
0: Great to be here. Thank you, Laurel.
1: You're welcome. So before we dive into our dialogue about staying healthy in the fall with Ayurveda, let's begin with a moment of present moment awareness, a yoga moment. Oh. So let's begin by just bringing our attention to our body, just feeling our body in space. And then bringing our attention to the breath. Just noticing as we take a fully conscious breath on the next inhale and exhale. On the next inhale, feeling the cool air in the nostrils. And on the exhale, feeling how the temperature is now warm. Continuing to focus on the breath, here's something to contemplate. A poem by Yogacharya O'Brien, the Yoga Hour's founder and spiritual director, from her book One Heart Opening. The title of the poem is Let Your Light Open in Beauty. To meditate is to be like the flower at dawn turning toward the sun. Doing what it is naturally inclined to do, the flower. Is energized into opening this flower opening is the fulfillment of life's intention its beauty is effortless the flower fulfills its destiny its beauty speaks to those who pass by saying creator love possibility each day turn within to the source of life. Be energized, be fulfilled. Let your life open in beauty.
0: Aum.
1: Once again. Kate O'Donnell, welcome to the Yoga Hour. I'm really excited to have you back on as a guest to discuss how we can stay healthy by paying attention to seasonal changes from an Ayurvedic perspective. Your books, which I've mentioned, but I'm going to say again, the Everyday Ayurvedic Cookbook and the Ayurvedic, Everyday Ayurveda Guide to Self-Care have been really valuable resources for me and my study of Ayurveda, and they're the ones that I keep going back to over and over again. In Ayurveda, universal life force is viewed as manifesting as three different energies or doshas known as Vata, Pitta, and Kapha. The Ayurvedic view is that health is achieved through balancing of these three doshas. So for listeners who aren't familiar with these doshas or constitutional types, mind-body types, can you give us an overview of what the three doshas are, really starting how all three are needed in the body from a functional perspective?
0: Sure, yeah. The Ayurveda looks at the body as composed of five elements, kind of similar to Chinese medicine in that way. So the when the elements are making up a body, they compound into these pairs that do physiological functions. So vata is the combination of the space element and the air element. So the space element in the body is like kind of all the open. Open spots, right? Like your ears, you know, your sinuses. These places are all spaces, and then air moves. Air's nature is to move, and so it moves within the spaces. So I like to call vata the currents of the body, right? Mm. Like our digestion, our elimination, you know, menstruation. There's all these like, circulation, all these things that are moving, you know, around the body. So <clears throat> vata actually means something like that which moves. Mm. governing all the movement processes in the body. And because it's composed of space and air, it's kind of cold and dry, right? So it brings like cold and dry qualities wherever it moves, wherever it goes. And which is good, right? Because if you're too hot, you would like a little coldness. And if you're too moist, you'd like a little dryness, right? So all these, these three compounds are also always like interacting and balancing each other out. So pitta is that combination of the water element and the fire. And the water is simply a container for the fire because the nature of fire is to burn without stopping. Right. So in a body, that would be bad. So we have the container, right, (laughs) which creates like an acid, like a liquid sort of hot, acidic spreading qualities in the body. So you can imagine that pitta does things like transforms the food in the stomach you know small intestine the heat that circulates via the bloodstream like all of those processes and pitta means that which transforms right right and then our our third dosha is kappa and that's composed of the water elements again and earth and i'll describe that by saying you know if you go to the beach and you try to build a sandcastle with dry sand it won't hold together so kappa is that which holds things together and it's moist a little bit heavy it's a little bit sticky it's kind of mucusy right so we could also say like you know vata's air pitta's fire kappa's mucus right so we we need some mucus right or else like our lungs would be too dry our intestines would be too dry so you can see how we need all of these compounds and they exist in the body in sort of different amounts based on our DNA. Mm-hmm. So you, you'll sort of get your constitution from your, your DNA. And like if you're, one of your parents was a hot type, one of them was a moist type, right? Then you kind of get, that's what you get. And so a little bit of knowledge of the qualities that the doshas bring to our bodies is it's part of how we observe the health. Mm-hmm. And also the doshas undergo changes seasonally mm-hmm. based on our environment, right? the way, whether it's moist out or it's a dry time of year. So I think we'll be talking a good bit of more about that today. So those are our tools, right? Are these understandings right. of the body through this lens?
1: Right. Oh, I, I I just love that description. In addition to the mucus um, that you point to, I always think about kapha, you know, as the as muscles and bones. It's the structure, right? And so, what I love about looking at them like this is because if you just look at the, um, you know, at the doshas as constitutional types, as mind body types, some people are like, oh, you know, I don't want to be kapha. You know, I don't, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but when you think about them as the functions in the body, it's like everyone every body needs movement, you know, you're, you're like life is not going to be sustained if things aren't moving. So we all need Vata. We all need transformation. We all need the ability to break down our food and we all need structure. You know, we need there needs to be, you know, there needs to be that solidity of our bodies. So you can see that we can't do without any of these. They all need to be there. And of course, as we'll talk about, I'm sure, you know, every body has all of these, but the, the the amounts in the, you know, of the different um comp the compounds really vary person to person. And that's the really individual part of Ayurveda, which is another thing that I love about it, is that it really mm-hmm. is looking at your individual body, your individual type, um and not just kind of you know making a recommendation for ev- for everybody, so right. mm-hmm. um, One of the things I love about your books is um, how you really in uh, and, and particular, I think um, I saw this in the everyday Ayurveda Cookbook, which really has different recipes and and different recommendations for practices depending on the season, which is obviously why we you know had you on today to talk about these seasonal changes. Most Ayurvedic books that I have read are so focused on the dosha that, I don't know, it kind of seems like the seasonal changes drop in the background and you really bring it up forward where you're you're like, no matter what your dosha in certain seasons, everyone's going to feel that. So, for example, in summer, as we'll talk about, is a pitta time, is is time for that heat um, everyone's going to have more pitta in summer. That's just the way it goes. So so you focus, and particularly in that, you know, in the everyday Ayurvedic cookbook, you focus on recipes, for example, for everybody. Everybody's going to need, you know, to, to do this. Um, what I really like about that, looking at, at it from that perspective, which feels very powerful to me, is that we're looking at ourselves as part of something bigger. We're looking at ourselves as the microcosm, but what is affected by the macrocosm? We're all in this world. We're all subject to these same changes. And so it has a very positive feeling of wholeness to me. Did you want to say more about that?
0: Yeah, it's a yoga, right? It's like a union of the the self and the other. So it's an amazing thing to be thinking about our health with that with that as a philosophy a foundational philosophy and like literally the five elements that compose the human body and make up these doshas they compose all tangible matter in the universe so we like literally are made of the same stuff you know so when you see water you know, you flowing, you know, in a river in your neighborhood, or you, you smell soil when you're in the garden, like these things are, it's the same that is in the body. And one of my favorite things about Ayurveda, and part of the reason that I write so much about food is because the, the food is how humans take in the five elements. That's why food is so medicinal, right? Because we're bringing in elements. We can be very like careful or smart about how we do that and so when we have sound digestion when we transform food in the in the body it then actually becomes our tissues so it's like the five elements out there you know that make up this carrot then are transformed by the doshas in our body and it's building blocks to make tissues like you were mentioning our you know muscles and adipose and blood and all these things and so you know we literally become the five elements of the universe you know we, we transmute them into the body and so the process of learning about and observing our digestion and sort of preserving and protecting its its inherent fantasticness in the center <laughs> of our bodies it, it's a spiritual pursuit you know it's not just physical health it's also about being in uh, like right relationship with nature mm-hmm.
1: We just went over the three doshas, and there's also four seasons. And as we're going to focus on for the rest of the conversation, the seasons are very important, you know, for our health and they differ from each other. So how does that work? You got three doshas, four seasons. What doshas are associated with each season?
0: So this can be a little tricky, I you know, depending on our climate. Um So the the thing we all want to remember, like the most important tools for our listeners are are the qualities that make up each dosha, because then you can look for that in your season, wherever you are in the world. So pitta is it's hot and moist, right? Fire and water. So we'd be looking at some humidity. And we'd be looking at obviously hotter temperatures, warmer weather, maybe brighter, more sun, you know, a little more love that, that bright quality. And in the summer, like we get more of that in the body that brings more pitta to the body. And then when the fall starts to come around, you know, it tends to get windier. Right. It tends to the air will dry out. So any humidity from the summer becomes drier in in a a sort of textbook situation. So the Vata qualities are the dry and the cold. Right. And it's a little bit crisp also. So things are lighter. And the cup of time we usually associate with the spring. So we would say cold and dry is pretty wintry. Right. So it's like fall slash winter. And the spring is when the rains come or the snow melts, right? And so there's kind of water all around. So that's where you get that moisture of Kappa. So we're the just like a human body, the earth is also going through these changes, right? These times that are drier. And so if a person lives in a climate that is very dry all the time, you know, like Arizona, for example that person's body will then react to smaller amounts of moisture. So Even in Phoenix, you know, even in like Dubai, they have a season where it's a little bit more moist. Mm -hmm. So that would be the time for them where they they would have that relatively, we'd call that humidity, right? Just like a cold season in California is different than in New England, but it's still going to be relatively feeling colder to that person. So these the the distinction that i make like in my book the way that i look at the the seasonal change in the fall cuz i say fall is the beginning of the vata time but it's also the time in which the body wants to get rid of accumulated heat right so that's very special you know so like it makes sense that we're we're having this talk now right because there's this juncture that happens where the accumulated sort of moisture or just heat from the summer months, when the fall starts coming in, when the air starts drying and cooling, that's when the body is getting these signals, ah, we can get rid of that heat now. And so there's things we can do, lifestyle, diet, practices that can kind of like assist that transition, which will increase immunity, it will improve digestion, right? And some of the signs and symptoms of excess heat in the body will abate, right? Because of what we're doing to manage that. Mm-hmm.
1: ayurveda is an incredibly ancient and complex uh system or i should say it can be complex um i have read other ayurveda textbooks that talk about um summer actually as a vata time particularly for example northern california you know where there isn't moisture in the summer like mm-hmm. the reason that california is called the golden state um is that the hills Particularly Northern California, well, Southern California too, really turn brown. I mean, it's really dry and it's really, um, you know, it's our summer is, you know, really doesn't have the moisture that's associated with it. So, anyway, I've seen it associated with Vata. And Mm. in your books, you associate summer with Pitta due to, again, the heat and and the moisture. I find myself sometimes feeling confused. And also I know this is something that people report to me is I read in one book that, for example, this food is this way. And I read in another book that it's the other way. So it seems like there's a lot of variety. (laughs) So first of all, talking about this question about the dosha changes, you've already sort of addressed this, but did you want to comment any more about that? Does the association of dosha with the season change depending
0: on the weather in your location? Definitely. Absolutely. Right. So the seasons are like these templates. Some of us might be lucky enough to have it fit perfectly, but for the most part, right, there's, there's adjustments to be made. So say you're in the golden state, right? So you have that sort of extreme dryness also heat though. Right. 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 Um, And the thing that's interesting about how Ayurveda texts describe the the hot weather and Wata is that the literally the sun evaporates moisture from the earth mm. Well, that's happening up there right in the with the golden colored grasses i've i've, I've been there right, <laughs> yeah, like, I know right. I mean. and so literally the moisture is being sucked away from the earth and from the body so it is a time where the dry quality is a big one to watch for and then as the it's interesting because then you guys will get rain right it'll start to get moist again in in the fall right fall winter yeah so a lot of the things that we talk about for for balancing vata will be good to do in the in the summer and late summer early fall in the golden state but maybe we'd make some change slight shifts to it, which we can be very specific and talk about that in order to address the heat as well. Because a lot of the things we do to balance Vata, we're looking at that cold quality. But in this case, it's really just dry. It's hot and dry. Those are the two qualities we're addressing, right? And so there are certain foods, certain tastes, certain practices that will address those two qualities. So right then we want to look at that.
1: Well, yeah. our audience here at the Yoga Hour is really an international audience. So we have about seventy percent in the United States, and it's not—it's definitely not all in California. And so I think it's wonderful to talk about these things more generally. And then it seems to me so one of the main practices of Kriya Yoga, set forth in the um, in the Yoga Sutras, is um, self study. Is self study, and it seems to me like maybe that's the best way to figure things out you know, where you are. I mean, you can think about it, but to really look at your body, um, know the signs, early signs of imbalance for each dosha and then respond to it like that. Would you agree?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I'll, I'll often describe Ayurveda as a, a science of self-awareness. Right. Yeah. So nobody can tell you like this, that there's this like external, right. You can't, it's so hard to just have take this external thing and impose it on yourself. So one really does have to pay attention, which is why it goes so well with yoga. Yoga is very much about that learning how to do self study.
1: Right. And just to take a moment, what advice would you have for people? Because I have heard this, I haven't so much felt this myself, but it is confusing when you're starting to study it, and then you notice some differences, you know, in different texts, what advice would you have for someone who's just starting out and who's running into one of those confusing areas where one source says this and another source says that, what advice would you give
0: them? You know, my, my advice for, is generally to be a mad scientist. Right? <laughs> so so everybody gets to experiment, you know, do gentle experiments on the body and observe the effects. So if a food, you know, one text says that this food is drying and another text says that this food is mucus forming, you want to eat it, you know, a few a few different times and perhaps in different seasons and notice how it affects the body.
1: Right? Oh, I love that. I love that. And I I do think that is one of the ways that Ayurveda and yoga fit together so well, which is one of the reasons that we include Ayurveda topics here on here on the Yoga Hour. Um, As a reminder to our listeners, um, this is about about the halfway point of the show. Our guest today is Kate O'Donnell, Mm -hmm. who specializes in Ayurvedic education, cooking skills cleansing programs. You can check out her books that we're discussing today, the everyday Ayurveda cookbook and the everyday Ayurveda guide to self-care. You can find out more about Kate O'Donnell and her work at the website, ayurvedicliving.institute. Again, ayurvedicliving.institute. This link will also be on our website, theyogahour.com. We welcome your comments and questions. You can contact us via that website. Theyogahour.com, where you can also sign up for our mailing list. We just started producing a monthly newsletter, which includes highlights of prior episodes of the show and describes upcoming episodes. So join us. Okay, turning to this particular point in the seasonal cycle where we are right now in the northern hemisphere at least. This is the beginning, well, tomorrow be the beginning of September. And fall is an interesting season because it really does uh, move from one dosha into another. The the for most places the pitta heat of summer continues into the Indian summer. And then there's gradually cooling um, and sooner in some areas than others. When with the weather change, the body needs to get rid of excess heat. So let's start with how would we know? If um, if our pitta is well balanced, what are some signs that pitta is in good balance? And then we'll turn to what are some signs of pitta not being in balance.
0: Mm-hmm. A, a balanced pitta will have a good appetite, you know, so feeling hungry at meal times as one would be, as one would expect. Comfortable body temperature, so not not too no kind of flashes. Of hot, not uh, too over, you know, not overheating in the middle of the night or at any time, things like that. Um, feeling calm, you know, energetic, but but relatively calm, and no acidic byproducts when we eat food, and also sort of a well-formed s- stool. Right, we do look at what, what your poo is telling you a lot in Ayurveda. <laughs> we right. talk about self-awareness, and like it gets real pretty fast. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, so going from
1: there, you've mentioned already some, but what are some signs or symptoms that my, a person might have excess heat, excess pitta in their body? In particular, at this moment in time, as we, as we're, as summer is coming to an end and we're making that turn
0: into, into more of a vata, uh, winter time. So pitta has uh, locations in the body where it's prevalent, the stomach and the small intestine are, are you, well, you can imagine, right? And also the skin, like the, the blood is running under the skin. So if there's excess heat in the body, it might, it's in the blood, it's in the digestive channel. So we might see um, some skin stuff. I think that's pretty common for a lot of folks late late in the summer season. So maybe like, like a heat rash kind of a thing or feeling itchy, um, like red or angry kind of blemishes, possibly like an acne type of thing on the, uh, could be on like the upper back. We might see that, Mm. um, digestively if a, a hyper appetite. So like, you know, being hungry is one thing, you know, but then there's kind of a, like, a an overactive digestive fire which can make you feel like you're you're so hungry that you either feel like you need to eat massive amounts of food to be satisfied or it's almost like you're never satisfied Mm -hmm. and there's actual actual heat hot rumbling kind of feeling in the stomach Mm -hmm. and then when there's heat in the digestive tract it can also be moving down and that will cause loose stool so one of the things I'll bet you plenty of people experience in hot weather is like a liquefying of the stool a little bit, not like diarrhea, but just like it kind of comes out like a pile mm-hmm. that's not actually considered uh, ideal in Ayurveda. And that's usually got to do with the high pitta when we see a, the stool coming out in a pile.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So it's like acid dige- acid and digestion, you know, the pile and then possibly skin stuff. And we might also see it emotionally, like with uh, feeling irritable, having like a short fuse, road rage, you know, and, and- sometimes in the city like in hot cities like boston people will start like honking more slamming doors in each other's faces you know in the end of august when when the weather's hot and people are kind of tired of it
1: (laughs) right right no that's so great and that's one of again just to point to one of the things i love about ayurveda is it's not just your body you know it's also your mind and so one of the things that um that you know can be a, a show is kind of an just a tendency to overdo, right? For the pitta, overdo, overwork, over, you know, just like too much, <laughs> lack, a lack of moderation, right? And so, you know, one of the things that I would run into at work is I would just put my head down and I would end up, and I'm retired now, so this is ancient history, but, you know, I would just work and work and work and work and work and I, and then I would look up and all of a sudden I'd realize it would be like, 730 at night and everyone was gone home and I hadn't noticed because I was like so focused. It's like yeah. plowing ahead, you know, through it. Right. Um, and that and that was when, you know, I knew my Pitta was a little bit out of balance there.
0: Yes. Yeah. I'll joke with my my Pitta clients sometimes about, you know, reasoning with a fire. Like a forest fire, where you're like, let's just stop at this t- line of trees here, okay? Right? That's not how fire works. Right? It, like you say, it just keeps going. So we do kind of have to um, work at moderation. Those those who are affected by Pitta or have Pitta in the constitution, moderation is one of the best medicines. And also the most difficult to integrate really takes a lot of (laughs) self-awareness, right? That's right.
1: (laughs) No, I think it's so helpful, though, right? If all of a sudden we're snapping at people and like you said, slamming our doors and being angry at people, it's like, oh, you know, what what is going on in my body and what do I need to do? What changes do I need to make to try and keep that balance? So you've already mentioned how important diets are what changes should we make in our diets as we're moving from summer and potentially this excess heat into, into early fall?
0: Great question. Yeah. I mean, the good news is that the body wants to get rid of heat. Like it's very good at that. This is a natural thing. Like the flower turning towards the sun, right? So the body will want to do that. What we can do to to help is put less heating foods into the body during that time so the list of foods that are really instigators for heat is not that long mm-hmm. uh we might have some sad listeners when i when i mention these substances but one of them is coffee right so even if it's iced coffee coffee is still very acidic right so it's most of the things that we know of in the western uh nutrition as being acidic are also hot So like orange juice, we we might have that in the winter, but it's not so much like a late summer beverage to enjoy things that are fermented. So like excessive amounts of uh, sauerkraut type thing or kimchi or even kombucha. So reducing the amount of that, that we're having Um, pickles, like, you know, uh, alcohol is like fire water, right? It's incredibly pitta aggravating. Um, and spicy things like, you know, our hot chili pepper type stuff. So any like spicy food. So if we can reduce things like the coffee, the alcohol, the spicy pickled fermented stuff, it goes a long way to so that the body can then just like kind of smooth out, right, and calm, calm down some of that excess pitta, and then moving into the shift, moving into the fall sort of ready for it instead of having to deal with changing qualities in the environment when the body is still trying to undergo a balancing process from mm-hmm. the summer.
1: Right, and as we mentioned, it's not just food, of course, it's other activities as well. So in particular, for some reason, I was flashing on hot yoga. So if you're having a lot of road rage you know, and slamming things and your fuse is really short, it's probably not the time to go to a hot yoga class, right?
0: Right. Right. So, yes, that could be replaced on that day with something, you know, more, more soft. And, you know, what's interesting to think about, too, Laurel, is that we one could still go to the same class, but not be so intense about it. Oh, right. 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 So you can, if people really feel that they need to keep up their routines for various reasons, then we could look at how we do The activity, right? Can we be more moderate, as you say, in the activity? And then, you know, so you're less like getting yourself worked up into a lather in the class. (laughs) Yes, it's still heating, but you can kind of be like breathing and calming and just like keeping it mellow the whole time.
1: Oh, I really like that. And one of the things, too, is competitiveness is is Pitta, right? So looking at your pose and looking at everyone else's pose and comparing yourself, you know, and trying to like really like muscle yourself into it. it, you know, instead, if you could maybe still go to the same class, but give that up. Just give that up and just focus on yourself and what your body needs to feel in that class, in that moment, in that, you know, particular pose or whatever.
0: Yeah, 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 that's a competitive nature comes with the pitta and it's it's a fire it is not good at allowing things to remain as they are fire wants to do yeah. right? it wants to do it Wants and so the that energy in a human makes you want to kind of perfect things make do it better you know so there's a perfectionist tendency that i think a lot of pitta types will bring to a yoga practice that's that's counterintuitive to yoga and yoga is such a fantastic place then to sort of grapple with this part of ourselves, you know, to, to moderate this part of ourselves. I definitely have had to deal with that in yoga the years.
1: <laughs> Competitiveness? <Yeah>. Me?
0: <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> uh, um, as we're then moving through. Um, so this is not so much right this moment, but where we're going as we're moving into more of the Vata time. So, and and it's going to vary where you are in Boston and where I am in California. It's probably you know going to happen in a different you know place. So people need to keep that keep aware of that. But at a certain point we switch and we're into uh, you know winter, which classically at least in books that I've read is a Vata time. So what changes should we be then kind of looking to, well, first, what are signs of a healthy Vata and, and signs of a Vata imbalance so that we can see if this is coming up for us?
0: Yeah. And talking about Vata and Vata management is it's really important for like kind of everyone listening, I would say, because as we age, we move into the Vata time of life. So bodies do dry out and become lighter, more porous as we age. So things like um, dry skin, you know, the um, the loss of the bone density, these are things that go along with Vata and go along with aging. So water management, for those of us who are in, Bodies that undergo menopause, it's kind of a market shift into the vata time of life, and then most people, I would say, around their fifties and maybe earlier, are going to notice these these vata changes. So that's an important factor to think about how we how we do our self care to do a little vata management. So the things that we're looking for, like a like a healthy, happy vata, will be like there'll be a lot of regularity, right? Like no sudden movements, you know. So they the digestion will be pretty regular so it's like the appetite will kind of arrive at predictable times the poop will also come at predictable times we probably will feel like the skin and the joints are are relatively supple you know and of course that'll change with age the hair you know not too dry like an, a luster you know to the skin the eyes the hair also feeling um like calm and comfortable. So the things that happen when when vata is aggravated is we will we'll see a cold, a person just who's cold all the time, or more common is cold hands and feet, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? When the cold, the extremities start to get cold, we'll see dry skin, we'll see dry stool, dry, where the poop starts to dry out. And the, you'll see it in like, um, you might notice like the nasal passage, dry mouth, dry skin, scalp, like dry quality can be kind of all over the place in these different ways. And emotionally, vata, vata can cause feeling anxious. And a lot of people do report this anxiety kind of feeling that, that can start to come around in the fall. And it's so, what we do for vata is we, we try to keep it grounded and keep it rhythmic right so like having regularity in our routines is really important and so fall is such a fantastic time to establish routines you know for people who have like kids in school they're the whole family's on a routine now right Right. you know and so keep like kind of is taking a step back this is a fantastic time to be like yeah you know like what what do I want to be kind of when do I want to be going to bed and waking up can I get a little bit regular about that, maybe within like an hour, you know, that I'm kind of having a relatively, of course, we have our fun, right? And we blow it out of the water some, sometimes, but in general, that the sleeping and waking hours are somewhat similar and also regulating meal times mm-hmm. goes such a long way to balance Vata, mm-hmm. even if it's just like one meal a day as a touchstone that we can try to have like our breakfast or our lunch or our dinner at a similar time every day. Cause it'll, your whole digestive system will get behind that and start to regulate. Mm-hmm. So it's such a great, a great thing. And when we balance the dry quality in Ayurveda, the opposite of dry is oily mm-hmm. so It's oil. So like drinking more water, isn't really the answer in the Ayurvedic view of this dry quality. So we might increase the oils in the diet. And that's one way that people can use my recipes from a moist season, like, like summer. But if you're in a dry climate, you just increase the amount of oils in the recipes. Mm. Coconut oil is a fantastic one to use in the fall, as is ghee, because they're both not heating. Something like sesame oil is a little hot, olive oil a little bit hot. So if we use cook with ghee and coconut oil and you can be a little more liberal with that in the cooking in the fall also goes a really long way to um, to balancing the dryness and there's fantastic you know we put oil in the nose a little bit of oil in the ears right oiling the feet at bedtime and then perhaps a general oil massage of the body is considered one of the the most important or most efficient effective factors for balancing vata
1: indeed <clears throat> I'm torn. I, I think I, I wanted to ask you, I want to ask you two things. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna go with the food first. So as we yeah. move more into Avata, you've mentioned, you know, increasing the oil in cooking. What else is important as we're moving, as if you're starting to notice these signs of Avata imbalance, more dryness yeah. in addition to the oil, what, what else can we
0: do? Definitely cooking our food. So one of the things that aggravates the Vata is raw food. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I didn't mention that is a, it's a telltale sign of Vata aggravation is a bloat. So it's the air element increasing in the intestines. So we might, it might cause gas. And it will definitely cause bloating. So when it, after you eat, if there's gas and bloating, vata is at work, right? right? Yeah. And so cooking food and eating less raw things. So moving from salads to like steamed vegetables and soups and stews and things like that is, is a, a really foundational aspect of vata management. And we can also reach for um, grounding foods like root vegetables. Mm. are fantastic you know sweet potatoes and squashes and beets and carrots and just kind of like roasted root vegetables such a fall thing right right Right. Uh, so we can start getting into that and maybe increasing sweet potatoes sweet potatoes such a just a really healthy happy food balancing for most body types you know easy to come by a yam or a sweet potato lots of fun things to make roast them or make soups i love to make like a creamy soup with coconut milk and ginger and sweet potato. Oh, that's mm-hmm. one of my favorites in the fall. <laughs> right, so you can get a lot of like fats going with the coconut, get your healthy fats there. And maybe also reducing like iced drinks. If we have listeners who are putting ice in their water and things like that, we, we'd wanna move away. We, we'd not wanna do that never really <laughs> in Ayur- Ayurveda living, right? Um, but enjoying a bit of a cool drink in hot weather makes a lot more sense than having it as the weather's cooling down. So maybe even moving towards warm water, herbal teas and things like that is also Mm -hmm. a great balancer.
1: I think that's really a great point because here in America, it is just almost impossible to go to a restaurant and not be served ice water, even in like January. Her- I know, I know,
0: I know. I'll always to, to try not to waste water. I'll always the first thing I'll say yes. when I sit down is water, no ice, and, yes. and you know. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and the other thing is that uh, it, I, I've been surprised. Actually, most places will actually give you, you know, some, hot, some warm water oh, if yeah. you ask for that. You know, they'll give you a little so teapot or a little cup of, you know, warm water, which yep. feels a lot better as a, as it gets really cold. You don't want to be drinking ice water. Uh, I actually love that about Ayurveda. So really think about our digestive fire as just that. And so if we're putting ice water on our digestive fire, how can we expect it will work? It, right. You know, that, that it will work optimally
0: right yeah it's not yes yeah funnily enough though in the summer you know or this time of year if people have an aggravated pitta and that like hyper um hyper digestion they will crave cold things and iced drinks that's one of the signs of an aggravated pitta interestingly we would still have them take room temperature or warm things because we're trying to balance that fire when you throw cold things on it it just cranks up Uh, try to balance that right so like in a hyperactive situation um it's still ideal to go with a room temperature water at your restaurant or even warm water yeah as we've mentioned,
1: in addition to dietary changes, you really focus in your book, uh, particularly the Everyday Ayurveda Guide to Self-Care, you talk about obviously self-care routines um, and how those change with the flow of the season. So take a moment and just talk about this dinacharya, the self-care, our daily self-care routine and its importance in Ayurveda.
0: I feel like this, it's kind of twofold. You know, we talked about the importance of regularity with with keeping vata managed. And and vata is, according to Ayurveda text, it's the most likely to cause disorders in the body. Of the three doshas, vata is the most mobile. So it's the it's the most troublemaking. <laughs> it can get around, right? It moves right. around pretty fast. So um so managing vata with if you think about all the movement processes in our bodies, they operate on rhythm so like our our appetites and our menstrual cycles uh you know all these kinds of things are moving in this like relatively rhythmic way so uh, I, one of the things i think is great about dinacharya as a, these daily routines is we're applying rhythm a bit of a rhythm so you know we're in this rhythm where we get up in the morning and we do certain things to sort of cleanse the channels of the body that's that's a really big aspect of dinacharya So the body detoxes while we sleep naturally, right? And so that's why we hopefully have to poop and pee in the morning. So it's like the body getting toxins out and also the practices we'll do in the morning, like scraping the tongue, cleaning the mouth, rinsing the eyes with cool water, possibly oiling the ears, right? These are all parts of like your morning practice that will kind of, these are all openings, Right? The nose, the mouth, the ears, they're all kind of openings where the body sends things, especially the mouth. And so tongue scraping is like your just fantastic way to start the day. It's because it will pull the toxins that are like a mucus-like coating on the back of a tongue. So we'll start the day by sort of cleaning the body a little bit, and then we can have some rhythm around our our food and our sleep. That's also part of Dinacharya.
1: You have already mentioned, but I wanted to have you elaborate a little bit because I think this is one of the kind of gifts of Ayurveda is um, oil self massage, and how beneficial it is for people, and and that it's so helpful for everyone regardless of your type. But as you mentioned, as we're moving into a dry season, it perhaps is even more um, even more important. So. You write in the book, oil massage is a great fall practice to ground the body, balance rising dryness and soften the channels so the body can expel heat. Mm -hmm. Would you say a little bit more about this oil self-massage, sort of how to do it and maybe um, the full version and then how we can maybe shorten it, you know, if we don't have time to do the full thing? Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So an oil massage is... um something we could do daily, but I think even if people can do it once or twice a week is also it's money in the bank, you know? Um, So traditionally we'll usually use a sesame oil. Um, Sesame is, as I said earlier, is warming. It's the thickest and kind of the most grounding, but for people who are in climates where it's maybe it's still hot, or if they're in bodies that are feeling hot, we might use coconut oil instead. So those are like just some basic basic oils to kind of think about using and the morning is the ideal time because we also get a cleansing of this, of this, the pores in the skin are another one of those places that's kind of detoxing. Right. And so when we do the oil massage in the morning, you also kind of like pull some toxins from, from the skin and the softening, the softening of this organ of the skin, right. Also will help the body like you use that organ to get rid of things, right? And then we'll sort of emerge feeling more supple. So it's really fantastic for people who with pain, like it's really great for sort of those like ranging pains, you know, or stiffness that some of us might feel as the weather kind of gets colder. So the the, the sort of traditional longer version, let's say, is to, to sort of warm up the oil. So I'll do that by just like sticking it in a cup of hot water. Like I'll boil water in the kettle, pour it into a big mug and then stick my jar of oil in there. Mm -hmm. So it's warm when you apply it and then it will get into the skin a little bit easier. And we want to kind of start at the bottom. So like the starting at the ankles, we're going to move in the direction of the heart. And we do long strokes on the bones, like the arms and legs, and then round on the joints so we're sort of moving like up and down, rubbing the oil into our, the first up the legs and then the arms. We can do the joints into these circular motions. The abdomen, you want to pause at the abdomen and do large clockwise circles, kind of slow. That's fantastic for those who do experience the bloating or the excess air in the intestines where there are breasts a great time for breast massage also kind of circular motions around the breasts and really getting in where the lymph nodes happen in the armpits really important for everybody i kind of coach people to actually put the arm up in the air if you can and get a massage going on in the juncture you right between the sort of chest and arm and then we want to put a little bit of oil in the ears oil the the big part of the ear also right? Little small circles will go around the ears, a little bit of oil in the nose, unless there's congestion. And then we don't really need to add more moisture up there. Those who feel like comfortable can also do the skin, coconut oil, put the skin on the face. Coconut oil is a good one for that. Just really kind of gentle. It's actually a fantastic moisturizer. Mm -hmm. So you can, you know, the long version Laurel is to take like 10 minutes to like massage right self-massage and then maybe do some reading or meditating or you know like sitting in the bath you can even sit in the hot bath leaving the oil on the skin for 30 to 45 minutes that's for our go-getters like right and the short (laughs) version (laughs) the short version would be to just leave it on for like do the massage for five minutes and then we take the shower right right so you get the shower. The interesting thing here that a lot of people aren't used to is that the oil happens first, and then the shower. Right. Right. And so the the, the hot water from the shower is like a we call it a suedna So it's like a steaming, a steaming effect. And so we're steaming the skin a little bit, kind of opening the pores, and so we get that that oil working further into the skin, soaping, uh, soaping the hairy parts, you know, it's probably the skin's going to absorb the oil if the person is dry and don't need to soap it all off unless you find yourself feeling oily and then you can soap, soap it more of the oil off. Yeah. then you just towel dry and go about your day.
1: Right. Yeah. I, I find it so interesting because I start out, you know, after having done this and then take a shower and, you know, I had read this thing about you can't put oil soaked towels in the dryer, which totally makes sense. Okay, I get that. But my towels, despite having done this a lot, they never really seem to manifest that much oil on them. And I think it's because it really gets absorbed when you're in the shower and all your pores open. It just really soaks into my skin. Really mm-hmm. feels absolutely wonderful. So I encourage people who haven't tried it yet to do that. One of the things about coconut oil, of course, is at room temperature, it is solid instead of liquid. And what I like to do is I like to put the oil in a little squeeze bottle, plastic squeeze bottle, just makes it easier to, to deal with rather than coming from the jar or whatever it started out in. Um, yeah. but obviously coconut oil um is a little bit more difficult to work with but I can mix it with a little bit of say um sunflower oil something like that a neutral oil and then it doesn't solidify so could yeah. you have a comment about that with with uh with uh coconut oil?
0: I no I'd say that's a pro tip you know, that you can definitely mix oils together to get the kind of texture that you're looking for. Yeah, that's fantastic. I like, um. I do like sunflower oil, almond oil is another nice one. Yeah, that's kind of um neutral, you know, ne- neither heating nor cooling and will stay at liquid at whatever temperature. Yeah.
1: Well, this time has flown by. This is toward the end, we have just a couple more minutes. So I wanted to ask you what words of encouragement or inspiration would you like to share with our listeners?
0: I feel like one of the things I see a lot in so many of us is, is that feeling that if you don't do it all, and you don't do it perfect, then you, that, that, that you failed, you know, and the thing that I have this saying that I'll always say, you know, it's money in the bank. <laughs> so it's like any amount of self-care, any amount of attention to any of these details about our health, any slight shift to work in a direction of balance, whether it's a, a lifestyle practice or a food choice, or even just a self-awareness about our, our moods, our emotions, any t- any amount counts. And the way that Ayurveda looks about changes and balance is that our, our energies and our doshas, they move in these trajectories. Right. So there's this like push behind a pattern that we have. And so when we change a pattern, you know, like say we're all used to putting X amount of chili in our food of our hot sauce. And then we say, oh, I listened to that podcast. So I'm going to put, you know, I'm going to back off that. So you just change the trajectory mm-hmm. right, of the pitta in the body by just changing the relationship to the hot sauce it's a big deal to make a change in the the diet or the lifestyle and so rather than try to do everything i i suggest people like there's probably one thing that we talked about one thing for everybody who listened where they were like oh man yep that's the thing right like it just (laughs) hit you Or you can walk around the rest of today and and like it keeps coming back, this one thing. You're like, oh yeah, I totally, you know, could do more of this or less of that. And that just that one thing, just focus there and that the trajectory shifts. And then you're in a whole new body. You're in a whole new world. Everything, everything's different.
1: That is such great advice. And I think it really goes a long way in terms of beginning to learn about Ayurveda, which as I said, can seem very complex and kind of intimidating. So choosing one thing, Wonderful advice. For listeners, this has been the Yoga Hour. It's been my pleasure to share this time with you. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, producer and host of the show. My guest today has been Kate O'Donnell. Kate is a nationally certified Ayurvedic practitioner and the founder of Ayurvedic Living Institute. Kate is the author of three books, Applying Ayurveda to Everyday Living, and I understand from our earlier conversation, has a new book on women's health that will be coming out in uh, early next year. Um, You can find out more about Kate O'Donnell and her work at the website ayurvedicliving.institute. Again, ayurvedicliving.institute. Thank you so much, Kate O'Donnell, for joining me today on the Yoga Hour.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: For listeners, we hope you will join us for the many online programs offered by the sponsor of this program, the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment. There's daily online meditation in the morning at 6.30 a.m. That's Pacific time, in the afternoon at four, and Monday evenings at 7.30. Again, all those times are Pacific time. We also offer a Sunday satsang. Satsang is a Sanskrit word meaning a gathering of truth seekers. That's at 10 a.m. Pacific each Sunday. If you're enjoying this podcast, you might also want to check out the Kriya Yoga Today podcast with Yogacharya O'Brien. You can access that through the CSE website, csecenter.org, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can find out more about these and other classes at that website, csecenter.org. Join us next time on the Yoga Hour when my guest will be theoretical physicist, speaker, author, and musician, Skye Nelson Isaacs we will be discussing how we can open ourselves up to endless possibilities by aligning with life circumstances rather than fighting against them. The Yoga Hour is a service project of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, a meditation center in the Kriya Yoga tradition. Remember, you can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts, and if you're enjoying the show, share it with a friend. Thank you to the Yoga Hour team, Founder and Spiritual Director, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien, Assistant Producers, Ann Hayes, Mickey Coronado, Christine Sote, and Lauren Leidinger. I look forward to being with you again. Until then, remember, you carry your own healing and wholeness within you. Share your peace and joy with all you meet. Bye now.